A severed head is found by a teenager in a rural field in Pennsylvania. Amazingly, this is the most mundane part of our macabre tale. A case that remains unsolved to this very day. Welcome, 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 everyone. It's another episode of the KMH Podcast with your bestest buddy, Brad, here. So today we have a wild, wild case, in my opinion, and it is known as the Jane Doe of Beaver County. Now, as you all know, I like to try to find cases that fit into one of three categories, killing, missing, or hidden. Duh. One could argue that this case really doesn't fit neatly into any of those categories, But this story is just too weird not to address. So forgive my possible creative license. And besides, it's my show, so I get to talk about what I want to talk about. So getting into the facts here. On December 12th, 2014, a 911 operator in Pennsylvania receives a phone call from a teenager a little after noon. I found a human head, the young man calmly reports. Police arrive on the scene, and sure enough, they find a human head, too. It's about 10 yards off of a rural road in a horse field in Economy, Pennsylvania. The woman's head was full of gray, fluffy hair. She was in her mid-50s, roughly. Her mouth was open, and her eyes were taped closed with mortician eye caps. Investigators quickly determined that the head was professionally dismembered. There is a phrase I thought I would never use in my life. A head being professionally dismembered. Now, only the head was found. Cadaver dogs searched the area for two days and found nothing else. Tests on the head revealed they had been placed in the spot between one to four weeks prior. And again, as you probably noticed, I stress the word placed as we will get to later on in the story. Police tried to get a DNA sample to find out who this Jane Doe was, but they experienced difficulties because she had been professionally embalmed. That's right. She had been through a mortician's office or, God forbid, a really dedicated hobbyist with a basement morgue to practice his craft, a nightmarish thought, and an addition that probably does not raise the value of your home. Because of the embalming fluids... All of the DNA they collected was compromised. This wraps up the basic condition of the head. Well, there is one more little detail that I almost skipped over. (laughs) Silly me. Silly, silly Brad. Um, Her eyes had been removed and replaced with red bouncy balls. Yes, seriously. Those little rubber balls that you can buy in the grocery store, the quarter machines... Yep, those were stuck where her eyeball should be. Spoiler alert, real morticians don't use toys to fill in an eye cavity. I mean, these suckers literally had the words made in China stamped on them. Also, let's not pretend that heads are routinely removed and loaded into the back of a pickup truck. So this head didn't accidentally go flying free from hitting a bump in the road. And I doubt the Red River Balls stay in the eye sockets, if there were such an event. 
So, leads. What do you do if you're a cop and you respond to a call where you find a disembodied yet embalmed head laying in a rural area? Well, first, if you're like local police here, you contact all the mortuaries, hospitals, and graveyards in the area to see if maybe they're missing a head. Unfortunately, no dice here. Next, the investigators reviewed all the local missing persons reports and found none matching the evidence they had. And no, of course, there's not a listing for just a missing head. Meanwhile, the forensics team that was involved in this case went all sorts of CSI on it. Forensics tests suggested that the woman likely died of natural causes based on finding traces of lidocaine and atropine in her system. These are drugs used to treat heart problems, so they believe she died of a cardiac issue. Further, forensic investigators also, through their magic voodoo, were able to determine that she likely lived with chronic pain, and when she started to pass, paramedics tried to resuscitate her and failed. Even further... They were able to determine through the water content found in her head, and to be specific, the unique mineral content of the water in her head, that this woman had bounced between several states, including Ohio, Maryland, New York, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania, possibly as she moved in with different family members to receive some aid and care for her medical condition. The evidence, however, indicated that she had never lived in Beaver County, home of Joe Willie Namath of New York Jets and University of Alabama fame. Now, examination of her teeth showed that she had extensive dental work. In fact, dental work had been performed on every single tooth in her mouth, including one that had been worked on at least seven times. Three teeth were removed for a more thorough examination, and a filling compound that was not available to dentists until 2004 was found on one of her teeth. Two dentists to examine the work determined that the woman likely lacked good dental insurance and had to get by with what they described as patchwork dentistry, where problems were only addressed when necessary. Because of the poor condition of her teeth in general, they suspected that she grew up in an area where the water was not fluorated, and she was probably from a lower-income household. Both dentists claimed it would be extremely easy to identify her if they had any dental records to work with. Now, between the fancy headwater analysis from the CSI voodoo doctors and the extensive examination given by the two dentists, they kind of jointly declared that she was probably born and raised in western Pennsylvania, south of Beaver County. Okay, think about this just for a moment. Let's pause. This is freaking amazing what forensic investigators can do these days, right? I mean... They can find where you live from the mineral content of the water floating around in your head. It's unreal that we have this technology available and crimes can still go unsolved. 
All right, now despite what I said at the top of the episode, there actually was a hint of amateurish dismemberment, which I suppose is the proper way to describe the opposite of a professional dismemberment. The exterior tissue cuts were very rough and jagged, the, you know, the skin and those outside muscles, whereas the internal cuts looked to be very practiced and surgical. No one has offered a theory on why there would be such a contrast. Ultimately, over 20 experts were hired or otherwise consulted on this case. Economy Pennsylvania only has a population of 9,400 according to the 2010 census. So, man, these cops are doing their job. I mean, this was very thorough, and every one of these guys deserves a raise or at least a pat on the back. The pathologists involved who examined the head suggest strongly that the evidence points in only one direction, the black market body trade. A Reuters investigation found thousands of body parts have been misused since 2004. Arthur Rathburn, a Detroit-based body broker, was arrested and charged with health care fraud and lying to federal agents when it was discovered that he was storing bodies in an inappropriate manner, which led to infection of the remains, making them useless for research. In 2010, an airline employee in Arkansas found that 40 severed heads were being shipped in plastic containers. In 2015, a cadaver was found just lying on the side of the road in Texas. The driver, who was on his way to Colorado, simply hadn't noticed that the body had fallen out. So what in the world is going on with all these bodies being donated to science? Weirdly, to me at least, in researching this case, I learned that body parts are bought, sold, and leased, yes, leased, across America without much red tape. This is just a normal part of daily business for hospitals, medical schools, and other industries. Uh, again, I, I, how, how do you lease a body part? Like, do you have to return the remains? Of, uh, anyway, but tracking these individual body parts is a nightmare. There is no handy-dandy Google search for body parts. And while transplant organizations are heavily and strictly regulated, body brokers kind of live in the world of the Thunderdome. There are no rules, and they just do as they please. Now, the fact that Jane Doe's entire eyeballs were removed, apparently points strongly towards the black market, as eye banks routinely only remove the cornea. But an entire eye could be sold for research purposes. Further, on the back of the skull, the cervical spine was described by the forensic team as being expertly removed, which again points to the body broker's theory. Spines seem to be worth some real cash on the black market. Now, Reuters, God bless them, actually found a body broker down in Tennessee and purchased two human heads for their research. In case you were wondering, each head costs $300 a piece. 
this is unreal that you can just buy ahead, no questions asked. Reuters then hired an autonomous to review these two heads versus the pictures they had available of the Jane Doe head for comparison. The autonomous said that the internal cuts across the three heads were consistent and that Jane Doe had her spine removed for sale. However, the autonomous was very troubled by the fact that the two heads Reuters had purchased had no paperwork to track the donor's identity and said it would be extremely difficult to ever identify who the heads belonged to if they were just haphazardly tossed on the side of a country road. So where are we now? Well, police had a forensic artist come in and create a picture of this woman, a task that actually was pretty easy considering how well-preserved the head was. Despite police making every effort to publicize this case and begging for the public's help, no real progress has been made. Police received about 30 leads, but none really bore fruit. The police are certain the head was placed in the location it was found. It is too rural of an area to have been accidentally lost, and animals would not be likely to mess with a head that had been embalmed. Apparently, the taste and smell of embalming fluid is not very attractive. While the law enforcement's official stance is this head is likely from a black market body dealer, the district attorney still open to file on this case, and I believe, from what I could tell, it remains open. Further, at least some of the investigators involved believe there's evidence of foul play. Indeed, one of the investigators went so far as to say it could have been just someone with lots of anatomical knowledge who is particularly bizarre and used this to support his theory of foul play. Now, among those 30 leads I mentioned, there was one reported missing person who came close to fitting Jane Doe's description. In 1986, 15-year-old Tammy Porin went missing from central Pennsylvania, and she was never found. Using computers, police have been able to create kind of a profile of what Tammy might look like in 2014, and there's a fairly strong resemblance. Police called in Tammy's brother, Ernest, to review what they had found, and Ernest agreed that the computer-generated picture of they had did kind of look like Tammy, but he refused to believe that it was Tammy, as he's convinced that Tammy was killed after she was abducted. Further, the forensic nerds who did all this work is confident that Jane Doe is at least in her mid-50s. And Tammy would have only been in her mid-40s in 2014. In December of 2015, Jane Doe's head was buried in a cemetery in Beaver Creek. Nothing of significance has occurred in this case since then. So, theories. I think my first theory is, wow. That's all I really know to say. This is so weird and so freaky. Uh, I, I just sometimes you see into parts of this world that you didn't know exist and you regret opening up 
that door. And that's this case to me. But there are kind of two theories we can discuss. Well, discuss isn't really the right word. Maybe maybe struggle with would fit this situation better. Okay, first let's go the Occam's Razor route. The head came from a black market body broker. Jane Stowe's incisions matched those of the other two heads routers purchased. It clearly took a high degree of skill to make the cuts, which only someone in the industry could have pulled off. The body was professionally embalmed after death. There's plenty of evidence she was not the victim of a homicide based on her heart condition and signs that the paramedics tried to revive her. Yes, there's oddities in this case, but ultimately, we've got a mound of evidence to say this head is just a lost commodity in the body burker world, as ugly as that is to say. Even if you want to imagine a kidnapping-slash-murder type of situation, how do you account for the paramedic evidence, or that this woman continued to receive dental work into the mid-2000s at least, or her moving around a lot during the last five years? If you are kidnapping her and moving her around a lot, you're probably not giving her dental care. As unregulated as the body broker industry is, this seems to be just one of those nasty bits of facts that bob to the surface from time to time. And not every death is a homicide. All right, theory two. But come on! I mean, this is just too weird to be that simple, right? A skilled mortician isn't going to leave a jagged cut on the outer layers of skin, right? I mean, that doesn't make a lick of sense. That seems like the easiest part of the body to cut into. And so shouldn't that show greater skill than the internal cuts? And isn't a bit off that this woman was born and raised in the same part of the state where her head is found? And it's kind of crazy to think that the head's found in such a rural location. I'll stress the fact that the head had to be placed where it was found. What logic is there in placing a head like this in a horse field? That act unto itself is criminal, abuse of a corpse. I believe that's only a misdemeanor in Pennsylvania, but still, it's a criminal act. So a true body broker, you know, you think would have the means to dispose of unwanted body parts. And then the freaking red balls. What what rational explanation can you give for that? There's not one. There's just not one. I mean, the police must think there's more to this case than just a missing body part from the black market body trade because they hired 20 experts to perform different types of forensics tests on the head. That is a ton of money to spend for such a curiosity. I just can't in good conscience write off a human head being found in such bizarre conditions as a random event. All right, well, regardless of which argument you choose to accept, this case demonstrates how messed up this body broker industry is. You know, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned in my beliefs, but I don't really love the fact that we can go online and order a head for $300. No questions asked and not receive any real tracking information. It's not fun to hear about cadavers being lost in Texas or airline workers stumbling across a box of 40 heads stuffed in some Tupperware. 
I'd like to think when a body's donated to science, it's being used for research, not being driven around in a pickup truck down the backyards of Pennsylvania to see who will pay top dollar for an eyeball or a section of spine. This is just really messed up. Okay, so in conclusion, I have nothing witty or clever to say after this one. So it's just a perfect time to go straight into a palate cleanser. Here we are. Why does it take pirates so long to learn the alphabet? Because they spend years at sea. Yes, yet another gem picked out by my lovely seven-year-old. Bless him. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to ask for a favor. Now that I've subjected you to this terrible tale of a missing head with rubber balls instead of eyes, I'm going to be bold enough to ask for a favor. This week, would you please share this podcast with one person? It doesn't have to be someone you like. In fact, after this episode, you may want to send it to someone you hate. But let's just invite one new person to join our little cult and see how quickly we can grow. And then take over the world. Okay. That's all from me. You kids have a safe week. Please don't go ordering any body parts. That was not the purpose of this episode. I think I may have just made a terrible mistake by recording this one. But I'm far too lazy to find another topic for this week. So I'm going to trust that most of you are good people. All right. Well, with that, I will see you soon, all you raccoons. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.